I'm glad we're together today in this space. Uh, my name is Mark Cummins, and I'm the pastor at Church of Hope. And if you're a regular attender, welcome. So glad that week after week we join together in this space. And if by chance this is your first time, I'm really glad that we're beginning our friendship today. Uh, understand that this broadcast literally goes around the world for free. See, we believe that life's at its best when people discover hope in Christ. There are people who give generously so this broadcast can be reached across every continent. If you've never given, I would invite you today to give. You can go to our webpage, hopeinocala.com, and drop down on the giving bar and give a one-time gift. Or you can give generously beyond just today. And if God's blessed you, help us as we give hope around the world. But for now, I want you to open up your heart and your mind. Let Jesus speak to you because what I believe is that when we open up our minds and let Jesus speak to us, life doesn't become perfect and all the problems don't go away, but you experience his presence in you, with you, and for you. Open up your heart. Let Jesus speak to you today. Peace. The straw that broke the camel's back, right? It never was the straw that broke the camel's back, was it? It was all the other junk on the camel's back. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book some years ago called The Tipping Point. And he outlined throughout his book how in business and in relationships, there's this moment where the trajectory changes as it tips in a new direction. Uh, you might understand this when it comes to water, right? 211 degrees is just hot water. 212 degrees is what? Boiling water. If you took a shower this morning, and I maybe hope you did, right? If you took a shower this morning, you're looking for that tipping point. Maybe the water was too cold, it was too hot, and you dialed it back just a little bit to find that sweet spot. Or have you ever played the game Jenga? And you pull out the little block, and you put it on top, and the next person pulls out the block, and we know that in that game there is a tipping point where it all falls down. In our time together today, in the next couple of weeks, this idea of a tipping point, that the beginning of the very best, and that's what I want in life. You say, Mark, what is the beginning of the very best? I think the beginning of the very best is imagine a world where there's no pain. Huh. There's no cancer. There's no wars. There's no racism. There's no discrimination, no prejudice. I would very much love to live in a world that tipped into that kind of space. And I know to some degree in our time together this morning, um, I've got a challenge in front of me. When we talk about last days, so to speak, there are some people who are so excited about the topic, so consumed by it, they become 
well, oblivious to the world that you're currently living in. And there's others who are like, I know that one day, like Jesus coming back and all that kind of stuff, but that's for another time. One side is too panicky. The other side is, well, a reflection of hypocrisy. I think that there is a balance. I think there is a great place for us to live. And that's what I hope to do in this study. Imagine this for just a moment. Is there anybody who was born after 1948 in this space? Can I see your hands? Anybody born after 1948? If you'll stick with me, now those who were born before 1948, I still love you, but this point isn't as strong for you. Sorry. In our time together, I'm not here to set any dates or to give any crazy predictions, but I want this thought just to linger to those of us who were born 1948 or later. Imagine if what we look at today becomes empirical data that you'd never die. Worth listening? Worth leaning into this space today? I mean, amongst all the other stuff that you're doing, you're raising a family, you're growing a business, all the things, right? Tomorrow morning, you gotta get up, get everybody ready for school, get to the drop-off line, survive the drop-off line, right? I get it, there's a lot of stuff happening in the world. And the idea of us walking through five empirical data points from biblical prophecy, in other words, where God said in the Bible, this was gonna happen thousands of years ago, and now it has happened. I'm gonna show five, three this morning, one next week, and one the following week. I realize as I take us back in time, for some of us, history is not like the thing that we get all excited about, and we kind of think, oh my goodness. But I think if you'll stick with me, particularly if you'll look at it through the idea that if you were born after 1948, the real possibility of you never dying is right in front of you. I'm also gonna give us a few, what I would just call best practices for how we live in our everyday life. One thing I do need to outline when we talk about this kind of subject, people are talking about, well, you know, the rapture or the second coming of Jesus, those are two totally different events, right? The rapture uh, in the Bible, the word eminent, in other words, it could happen at any time. You, ne you never know when this supernatural event that happens, and I've taught about this in the past, and so that's not the topic of our message together. But the Bible does outline some real data about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Many of us are going to celebrate Christmas. It's on the forefront. It's on the horizon. Um, and no one really argues whether or not Jesus Christ came the first time. There's all kinds of history. Uh, ancient uh, Jewish um, historian Josephus wrote about um, Jesus Christ coming. Now, there's question whether or not he is the Messiah. That's definitely in play today. But the Bible, when you talk about the Bible itself, it talks more about Jesus coming a second time than did the first time. In the book of Micah, it prophesied that there was this one named Jesus, Yeshua, that was going to come in the book of, of Micah. But the second coming of Jesus Christ. But right now we live in a space where uh, we don't know a lot of things that are happening. Notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24. That's why Jesus said we need to keep a watch on what's going on. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have um, not let his house be broken into. So you must all be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. 
And many of us who are Christians, we believe that Jesus Christ did come the first time. Our friends in the Jewish faith, they still believe Jesus is yet to come. The, the Yeshua, the Messiah, they're still looking for him to come. That's why Matthew 25, 13, the Bible says, keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. But listen, we're human beings, right? And we like to have a clue. We like to have a hint. It's kind of like at Christmas time. We wrap up the presents and they're there and they're like, hey, what's it like? Or, or can I shake it once? Or give me a hint. We want to know something about what's about to happen, right? The idea of just waiting seems overwhelming. So we want a clue. Well, the disciples in Matthew 25, they're, they're the very same way with Jesus. Can you just kind of help us understand a little bit about what it's going like, to look like when the Messiah finds comes. And so if you look in your Bible, it says in Matthew 24, verse 1, now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. Now, maybe you know this, maybe you don't know this, that in the Bible, when Jesus talks about the fig tree, he's alluding to Israel. And much like this past week, I was in New Hampshire. I didn't know this, but New Hampshire is known as the granite state right? Georgia is known as the peach state. Hey, we live in Florida. It's known as the sunshine state. We, 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 we kind of get this. We understand. Kentucky's known as the bluegrass. And I don't get it. I've been up there lots of times. Maybe there is some bluegrass someplace, right? But, but when Jesus talks about the fig tree, this is not just some like agricultural lesson. He is giving a symbol to the disciples then and to now that watch Israel. Look what's going on in the nation of Israel. Then you will have an understanding of the times in which you live. Notice verse 33. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear, Jesus told them. And then he goes on from verse 4 to verse 31, and there's this whole collage of different words about the tipping point. And all throughout history, all of these different things have happened, and a lot of the focus has been like, okay, when there's these real bad things happen in the world, and it looks like the world's coming to an end, then like, okay, sell your property, cash in your stocks, and move to North Dakota. This is not a conversation about that at all. This is a tipping point, the beginning of the very best. Don't sell your stocks, don't sell your house, and don't move to North Dakota. If you're falling in love with somebody, get married, have babies, live life. If you're thinking about starting a business, start that business. Keep on living. The tipping point is putting us into the very best. This is the beginning of the very best. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 24, now learn a lesson. That's what we're going to study today. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree, from Israel. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. Now, what I've got to do is unpack some things up here on the whiteboard. I want you to lean in with me. Some of this has a history piece to it, but it is as contemporary as the underwear that you put on this morning. And I hope some of y'all put your underwear on. No commando going on today, right? I want you to know what we're about to talk about right now, right here, is not history. It is where you and I are living. So we have two timelines, right? We call the beginning, the creation, right? We know that in Genesis... Chapter 1, God created everything. We all understand, we don't know when, 
but we understand there is this end times. We'll call this the second coming of Jesus. Everything I'm about to show you points to this date. Remember, there is no biblical prophecy at all about the rapture. No one knows when the rapture is coming, when those who are believers are raptured and taken up towards heaven. I'll talk about that a little bit more uh, next week. But then we have this history of mankind that goes like this. What I'm about to outline to you, I would suggest, is the second greatest miracle in the history of the world. Let me say that again. What I'm about to unpack, I would suggest, is the second greatest miracle in the history of the world. The first greatest miracle is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I realize that's a faith statement that I'm saying, but I believe that God loved us. He's not mad at us. He sends Jesus. Jesus shows us how we should have lived compared to how Adam and Eve lived and that he dies on the cross. He is buried and three days later he becomes alive again and the whole world is changed by him. That's the first. The second greatest miracle and the first piece of empirical data that God prophesied in the Bible that has come to light today as a true piece of data pointing to this date. Remember, Jesus said, look at Israel, look at the fig tree. When its leaves begin to blossom, now you know we are headed towards the end. And then he said this, remember he said, and this generation that's alive to see this will never pass away. Now watch this. That second greatest Miracle has a name, it's a nation, and it's the nation of Israel. In Genesis chapter number 12, God says this. If you got your Bible or look on the big Bible on the screen. The Bible says, the Lord says to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse you. And all peoples on earth will be a blessing through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he sent out from Haram. And maybe you know some of that story. Abraham, he leaves, and he goes to that land. But in time, right, there's this time in Egypt where they become slaves and they become oppressed. And it's kind of like, wait a second, God, I thought you said you're gonna be like our God and I thought you said you're gonna bless us. So God raises up a man and his name is Moses. Maybe you saw the movie, let my people go, Moses, right? And so they head out from their slavery in Egypt and they are now wandering in the wilderness. They disobeyed God and a whole generation of them died, but ultimately Joshua leads them into the promised land and they're fighting against the Canaanites and they're fighting against the Perzites and they're fighting against the Moabites and they're fighting against the termites and God keeps giving them incredible victory and it makes no sense at all. They have been in slavery. They've been in bondage. They don't have no military history. They have no weapons, but God shows up over and over and over and over and gives them victory. Then in 597 BC, the Babylonians, they conquer them and they disperse the Jews out of the land. Let me give you from the Bible. Here's what it says. 
Exodus 12 and 15. They will know that I am the Lord when I disperse them amongst the nations and scatter them through the countries. Also with uplifted hand, I swore to them in the wilderness that I would disperse them amongst the nations and scatter them through the countries. So in other words, we go back to Abraham and you can see on this map, Abraham, he leaves Haram and he comes down into this territory. You got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. All these roads from where they were up in the north in Haram, they come all the way down into what we know today as Israel. God promised them this land. Then you see the, the tribes of, of Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and they begin to occupy all this space. This is where they began to occupy and to live until what we just read, the Babylonians come in 597. Then in 444, stay with me because this is all about you never dying. And I'm just telling you, understanding what I'm teaching you right now that God said thousands of years ago and you're watching on your daily news is God's declaration that he has a plan and this plan is centered around this nation called Israel. This is not politics. It's not geopolitics. This is a biblical fulfilled prophecy. This is evidence, empirical data that Jesus Christ is indeed coming a second time. And so in 444, if you've read your Bible, the book of Nehemiah and Ezra, right? Nehemiah goes to the king and says, man, I saw my people. They've been destroyed. The walls have all been broken down. Mr. King, could I please have permission to go back and restore the walls? And so for the first time, Israel becomes a nation again in 444. And this carries on all the way to A.D. 70, right? We have Jesus comes here. Jesus dies buried and then for 70 years the Jews continue to live in occupied territory by the Romans there is a Roman general named Titus the Jews all the way back to Egypt they are a free people they believe this promise that God's given them and they continue to rebel they continue to push back against the Roman authority and Titus he destroys Jerusalem, he burns it to the, to the ground, and the Jewish people are dispersed in AD 70. And that continues all the way until this date in history that I hope you never forget. And why I said earlier, if you're born after May 14th, 1948, for 1900 years, the Jewish people are scattered all around the world. There's no hope. They have no nation. They have no, they have no leaders. They are completely isolated from the land. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 9, then God says this. Though I scattered them amongst the peoples, yet in distant lands, they will remember me. They and their children will survive. And here it is. And they will return. And the second greatest miracle, on May 14th, 1948, at the end of World War II, Great Britain, which had occupied all of the land of Israel, their occupation ended, and they left and literally said to the Jews and to the Arabs, you guys figure this out. And so we had the war in 1948. Again, a Jewish people in 1948 who don't have a leader, 
a Jewish people who don't have a military power, five Arab nations come against them and they survive and they establish the nation of Israel. The front page of the newspapers, the Palestinian Post, clearly says the state of Israel has been born. The second empirical piece of data happens at this very same time on May 14th, 1948. Do we have any moms in the house? May I see your hands? Did you get pregnant on Friday and have your baby on Saturday? Do you wish you got pregnant on Friday and had your baby on Saturday? Yeah, some of you do, right? We understand there's a time, but notice how God predicts and says out loud this biblical prophecy of Israel being reborn in one day. Isaiah 66 in verse 7. Before she, a woman, goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who's ever heard of such things? Who's ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion, Zion is Israel, yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. Second piece of empirical data. On one day, the nation of Israel, think about it, for 1900 years has not existed in one day, Israel becomes a nation again. The second greatest miracle that has ever happened is God deciding that he chose the Jewish people to be his children. And then in 1948, May 14th, on one day, the nation of Israel is born. If that wasn't enough, let me give you one more thing. In 1989... Some of you remember the Cold War. Some of you remember growing up in school and they would have different alarms. You have to go under your desk just in case the Russians were bombing us, right? And then in 1989, you thought it was just a victory for Ronald Reagan, that the, the Iron Curtain went down and the old Soviet Union was completely dismantled. What you didn't understand is that was biblical pop biblical prophecy being fulfilled. It is the third piece of empirical data because on that day when the Iron Curtain came down, God's word was fulfilled. Let me point you to Jeremiah 31 and verse one. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families <clears throat> of Israel and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says. The people who survive the sword will find favor in the wilderness. Living in the Soviet Union for a Jewish people was the wilderness. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I will build you up again and you, virgin Israel, will be built, rebuilt. Again, you will take up your timbrels and go out to dance with the joyful. Again, you will plant vineyards in the hills of Samaria. The farmers will plant them and enjoy their fruit. There will be a day when the watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, come, let us go to Zion to the Lord our God. This is what the Lord says, sing with joy, for Jacob. This is what the people of Israel have always wanted. They just, they want to celebrate life. The peace of Israel. They just want peace. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard. And said, the Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and will gather them from the ends of the earth. Notice this map and notice the line that goes straight from Jerusalem all the way to the north. The ancient term for Moscow was Magog. 
And on 1989, when the Iron Curtain comes down and the borders of Russia open up, 1.6 million Jewish people live, leave Russia and come back home to Israel. Today, there's only 9.6 million people. Do the math. Significant. Maybe a third are coming back in that time. Also understand this. When you see this map, this is an ancient map of, the, of, of Israel and all of the surrounding nations that are around us. This small little piece that we find. Then today you see how all of the different Arab nations are around it. Russia, you see the alliance in the evening news of Iran, of Russia, of China. You look at the protests that have bubbled up all around the world against Israel, and you begin to ask the question, why? This small little spot, the size of New Jersey, why would the world care at all about this small little place except for understanding the world you and I live in is counter God, is anti-God. And Satan, the ruler of that world, wants to disprove God in his word. Do you remember the very first temptation to Eve was Eve, 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 did God say did he really say you can't eat from that tree? He's always been out to disprove. God said that Israel, the Jewish people would be his children. God said, I will disperse them, but I will bring them back to the land. God said that in one day, they will be a nation again. Then God says here in Jeremiah chapter 13, see, I will bring them from the land of the north. That great migration that came down. Jesus said to the disciples then and now, he said this, look at the fig tree, focus on Israel. When they move from winter where there was no nation and they begin to bud again. That, my friends, that generation that sees Israel begin to bud and become a nation again, that, is, that nation, that generation will not pass away until the coming of the Lord. Remember, there is no prophecy for the rapture. It's imminent. It could happen at any time. That's why God says we should be prepared. What we're talking about is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, before going any farther, I want to help you understand something real clearly. You're seeing in the news right now a lot about this word occupation, that somehow the Israel, nation of Israel, has occupied the land illegally. I want you to know something that you're never going to hear in the news. It's a lie. It's a lie. For 400 years, all the way up to World War I, the Ottoman Empire occupied what we would call the nation of Israel, that land. The Palestinians have never been a nation. They did not have a government. They were not formed. They were occupied for 400 years by the Ottoman Empire as a result of the Ottoman Empire losing in World War I to Great Britain. Great Britain stepped in after World War I and they became the occupiers of that land. From the end of World War I, all the way through World War II. And then in 1948, Britain says, you know what? As a result of what's happened from the World War II, we are no longer gonna occupy this space. Now, stick with me for just a moment. I want you to see the miracle. 
1928, in 1932, in 1940, in 1941, if you would have stood up in the public marketplace and said that the nation of Israel is going to exist again in 1948, and then is going to become a world power by 2023, people would have laughed at you. They would have ridiculed you. They'd have said, you are crazy. What are you talking about? Right now, they're scattered. They're not in the land. And by the way, they're being exterminated by Hitler. Six million human beings exterminated by Hitler. The miracle of going from Genesis 12 all the way to 1948, 1989, for Israel to become a nation again, the only explanation... The supernatural explanation is what God said all the way back in Genesis 12. I will choose Israel to be my people. I will bless them. And we see that on the news every day right now. I don't know if you've ever traveled to Washington, D.C. and gone to the Holocaust Museum. If you haven't, I really suggest, particularly if you've got young children. I often wondered, how did the world, I wasn't alive in 1928, 1930, 1934. I, I often wondered, how did the world sit by and allow Hitler to exterminate six million human beings? Why didn't anybody stand up? Why didn't anybody say anything? And I kind of wondered, why? But I am alive in 2023, and I'm watching it all over again. The world right now, watch your evening news. The protests, the world has gathered against Israel. We have forgotten. On the seventh day of October this year, Hamas came into Israel and took you four girls and stripped you and raped you and murdered you in front of your family and went into that nursery department and took those babies out and cut off their heads. And the world is blind to it. Why? That's a good question to wrestle with. Why historically? Let me ask you a question. Why did America blow up on May 28th 2020 with the death of one black man named George Floyd because we said no you're not putting a knee on some man's neck and killing him that's wrong we're not going to allow that to happen I don't care if you're a police officer that's wrong something stirred in us we said no but when it comes to the Jews comes to the nation of Israel somehow the world is threatened and don't buy for a minute the two-state solution oh Israel Israel will be just fine with the two they just want peace but that's not what the world wants the world doesn't want a two-state solution why because the adversary's out to prove God is a liar and he wants Israel destroyed and so I'm giving you this morning three pieces of data that are irrefutable from the secular space and the spiritual space. 
And I get it. I know some of us are in this gathering today and you're like, listen, Mark, <laughs> I know where I'm going when I die. I ain't got nothing to worry about. Hey, I'm glad you know where you're going. And I'm glad that you're not worrying about that at all. But if those two statements are true, you know where you're going and you're not worrying because you've got a relationship with Jesus Christ, then your passion and your purpose for Jesus should be first in your life. And this kind of playing weekend hobby sport around Jesus and listen, everything inside of you would change. And so what I want to do, I'm going to give us one best practice today, one best practice next week, and a next practice next week so that we can practice, not just looking at history, not just saying, okay, great, I get it. Israel is the second greatest miracle in the history of the world. I get it that, wow, when you look at across history, that they're in existence today and the only protection is, is from God. I get it today that, that the world, look at the world map. They're lining up all around them once again to attack. I don't have the time, nor will I take the time this morning. I've taught it in the past. The whole world's going to come against Israel in, in a battle. We know it as Armageddon. And guess who's going to win again? It's going to be Israel. And the only explanation is God shows up and he wins because God is not a liar. God can't lie. And he will prove that the ruler of this world, Satan, is the father of all lies and he will be exposed. But what do you and I do as we're raising our families, as we're doing business? We're not selling our houses and we're not moving to North Dakota. I am not a prepper for this world's culture. I don't want you to go buy food that you can store on your shelf for the next 50 years. I mean, think about it. Why would you eat something that can last for 50 years? How good can that be for your body at all, right? I want you to, if you're falling in love, fall in love and get married and have babies and keep on living. But we live with the understanding of the times in which we are now living. And Jesus said, not Mark, Jesus said, when you begin to see the fig tree bud, Israel, in 1948, the Bible gives us three numbers when it comes time for a generation. How long is a generation? As the Jews wandered in the wilderness, God used 40 years. In other words, there was a generation that went out from Egypt into the desert for 40 years. That generation died, and they never stepped in the promised land. So that's the low end. God says the low end of the number is about 40. Moses says that our lifespan is three score 10, 70 years. And if you live beyond 70 years, 80 years, then it's a great st stress and sorrow. The Bible also talks about going into captivity, that the Jews would be in captivity for 400 years. And at the fourth generation, they would return back to the land. In other words, that generation lasts about hundred years. So between 40 and hundred, 2023, Israel's 75 years old. I'm not setting a date. I'm not saying when it is and when it's not going to be. I'm just saying biblically, if a generation's 100 years and I'm 58, I got a real good chance of never, ever dying and going to be with God in heaven through the rapture because the rapture takes place at least seven years before the second coming of Jesus Christ. So how do we live today, right? Here's what I want you to know. Notice this one statement that Jesus makes in the middle of all this talk about Israel. He says in verse 35, Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I want you to see the Bible no longer as kind of like this religion book that grandma's got. I want you to see this as your GPS for life. 
God's global positioning system. I want you to see it as fuel. I want you to see this as best practices for your business, best practice for your marriage, that this book will guide you and set you up for all things successful, because that's what you want. You want to be successful in business. You want to have a successful family. You want success. I want you to know this book, the Bible, will give you that success. That's why we're having a business conference November 3rd. Because businesses want to minimize expenses, they want to raise revenue, and they want to be successful. But I'm telling you, even greater than the leadership conference is God's Word. Notice what it says in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling. In other words, the Word isn't just this archaic book. It's alive. Notice 2 Timothy 3 and 16. All Scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare us and equip us as his people to do every good work. So how do you grow and go to a whole nother level with God's word? Here's some things that I've outlined uh, for you. Number one is this, is pray and ask God to speak to you and to apply what he says. So as you start, just, just pray and say, okay, God, I... Show me today what you, what you want me to know from your word. And just let him be your guide and teacher. And say, just show me what I need to see. Number two, have a place and have a time, right, that you're going to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read. Maybe it's in the morning. Uh, maybe it's at your lunch break. Uh, maybe it's at night before you go to bed. Uh, I, I, I have the printed word. I also use the U version Bible app. I mean, there's all kinds of Bible studies. You can download it right on your phone. You can take a picture of that QR code right there, and you can download the app right to your phone. It's always, it's always with you. Here's the third big thing that I do is when I read, this is what I use every day. I read slowly. Hear me. It's not my, how much of God's word that you get through. It's how much of God's word gets through you. So, so maybe it's one verse, maybe it's a whole chapter, maybe it's a book, but the idea is not how much you get through it and you check the box, how much of God's word gets through me? So how do I do that? I go slow and I ask questions, okay? Is there a sin for me to avoid? Something I wanna avoid, why? Because I know sin's gonna hurt and harm my life. Is there a promise to be claimed? I just know this, when you claim God's promises, you walk a little lighter through each day. I find that in God's word. Is there an example for me to follow? Okay, Mark, walk in these steps compared to that step. Is there a command? God said it, that settles it, and I'm satisfied. That's not a cop-out for me. I believe that God's commands are true. You can argue all day long about gravity. We have a ladder. We'll let you climb to the top of our campus roof, and you jump off, and you tell me if the law of gravity is true or not. I'm just telling you, I believe that the law of God's word is just as true. And so I'm going to apply it in my life. And then is there something for me to know about God? What do I, what, what's God trying to reveal about himself to me? When you ask God to reveal himself to you, he will reveal, reveal himself to you. This is the first step. Israel maybe you've never heard it said this way, is the second greatest miracle of the world. I believe with everything in me 
the United States of America is not blessed because of our morality. It's not blessed because of our founding fathers. The United States of America is messed up. But we're doing one thing right. It can be ignorant. But we are obeying Genesis chapter 12, where God said, Israel is my chosen people, and I will bless them. And any nation who blesses them, I will bless them. And any nation who curses them, I will curse them. Be watching as the world turns to curse. Be watching as the United States of America turns to curse Israel. It's the greatest miracle. Three empirical pieces of data that point to this date because Jesus said there's a generation that will not pass away. To all the Christ followers in the house, this is a tipping point. This is the beginning of the very best because there is coming a day where there will be no more pain and no more sorrow and no more crying and all the evil and abuse and hurt that we go through and we suffer through, it will be gone. But we're not there yet. So keep your eyes in God's word. It'll guide you and direct you. And if you're here today and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm asking you to consider the words of Jesus and accepting him as Savior, accepting him as Messiah, Yeshua, as the one who's come to give you the hope that you're looking for. In this closing prayer, if you've never accepted Christ, I would encourage it today. Accept him, believe in him, and let him illuminate your eyes. Let him illuminate the path of your life. You've been sitting for a while, why don't you stand? We're gonna close in prayer. If you've never become a follower of Jesus in this closing prayer, I would so encourage you to follow Jesus. I really believe we're at a tipping point. I really believe that we're at a place, the beginning of the very best. This is message one. Next week, I'm gonna show you biblically. In 2023, it's being labeled the year of AI. I'm gonna show you how thousands of years ago, God prophesied AI, artificial intelligence. And then I'm gonna show you the next about the, the falling away that would happen. And then hopefully I'm gonna get a tool and a resource to give to every single one of us to put in your home. Because there's coming a day, because I believe everything that I just taught you, that if you're born after 1948, you've got a really good shot at never dying. And so I'm gonna get a resource to put in your hands, to put in your home, so that when, if you're a Christ follower, you're gone, and people kind of figuring out what's going on and they're gonna go into your house, because by the way, you're not gonna be in your house and they're gonna get your food and your money or whatever you got. There's gonna be this book that's gonna explain what just happened. Because the greatest coming of Jesus Christ is gonna happen in this space. And I'm gonna set you up so that you can even make a difference for Christ after you're gone. Thank you 
being together in this space today is really good. If you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, I'd like to invite you today to start following Jesus. It's not about your behavior. It's not about your church attendance. It's about the reality that Jesus is for you. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Would you right now pray this prayer with me? Hey God, it's me. I've sinned and I know it and I can't fix me. But today I receive you, Jesus, as my savior. I believe that you died on that cross for me and that you were buried for three days and then you became alive again. And I invite you into my life to guide me and direct me all the rest of the days of my life. And with that prayer, my friend, welcome to God's family. I'd like to continue our friendship. If you would email me, pastor at hopeinocala.com. I'll follow up with you and together we'll celebrate Jesus in your life. Peace.